0: in our midst right now we welcome your voice that speaks and that rearranges that realigns that encourages that rebuilds and renews we say yes to you jesus we say yes to you use your daughter this morning and bless us with your word in jesus name and everybody said amen amen Amen. While you're sitting down, turn to your neighbor and tell them how glad you are that they are here. Amen. Tell them how cute they are. I was like that. That's always a good one. Handsome. Debonair. Wonderful. Come on. Keep it going. Keep it going. Give, turn around to the person behind you. Tell them how, how glad you are they're here. Yep, yep. Good. I love doing these kinds of things because, you know, we got we to gotta break this come in, sit down, run out the door, and not know anybody, right? We just got to become a happy family here. I don't know about you, but our family's crazy, and uh, we do crazy things at our family, so here at church, we get to do crazy things, too. Amen? Amen. Well, here we are, last Sunday of 2015. Did you ever think we'd make it to the last Sunday of 2015? I don't know, man. There was times this year. It's been um, a challenge at times and an absolute amazing year as well. I don't know if you guys feel the same kind of looking back. I am picking up here. We enjoyed Christmas, and I just want to let everyone know that this man did a good job with Christmas this year. Hold up my bag right there. See my bag? No, yep, yep. Look at what he bought me. Look at what he got me. So I can carry my stuff in style. Yes, it has fringe and everything. makes me, you know, crazy lady here. Okay, you can sit back down. <laughs> what are you going to do? Oh, you want the mic? Leather, not nogahide. Yeah, he wants you to know it's leather. If you weren't here last Sunday, he was uh, giving his confessions of of um struggles getting me a christmas present and uh but he he made up for all of it this year so i'm really happy i thought of you when i opened it up i thought i have to show my people what he did i'm so proud anyway he did good and uh, Pastor Wolf's been praying or teaching actually on unity for the last couple of weeks. I don't know if you all remember that. Over the last month or so, he's been speaking on unity. And uh, I read a story this week that was really, really kind of interesting. And I just, I want you to know that unity has been a theme in the church, in the body of Christ, ever since the beginning. And it has been something that even back in the way on back on back day is something that the church has had to continually fight for and, and to make happen. And, and there's a story of back in the 300s A.D., uh, the church was facing an incredible um, division, a very divisive time in the church. And there was this man named Arius who had come into the church and uh, he could not settle in his mind some of the great mysteries of God. He couldn't, he was a bishop, he was a bishop, and uh, he was a bishop of a pretty major city in Rome, in uh, the Roman Empire, and he couldn't figure out in his mind how in the world Jesus could be all man and all God at the same time. How many of you know that God is filled with mystery? I mean like like the the God of the universe and we with our little tiny inny bitty little teeny tiny brains want to stuff the God of the universe into our little brain and make it all sense make sense. It doesn't always work that way. And so God has all these mysteries. And this, this bishop was wrestling down this mystery of, is God, is, was Jesus totally God or was he man? How did that whole thing come together? And, you know, Jesus was born, but he was God. And what in the world? And he, he could not figure this thing out. And so he, he started what is called a heresy. Everybody see a heresy. Do you know what a heresy is? A heresy is when there's these, these dichotomous things in God that a man that man can't figure out and so instead of accepting the mystery they have to just make it one or the other and that's called a heresy so it's truth but it's not the whole truth so Arius decided that he was going to uh, begin to preach that Jesus was fully man but he couldn't be fully God at the same time and so Jesus was just a man and this heresy was spreading all throughout the whole Christian kingdom. And people were hating each other, and they were fighting each other, and churches were going one way or the other, and they couldn't figure it out. And the church, the body of Christ was actually going to be rent into two. And that was a terrible thing. Bishops, the big, you know, the Catholic church at that point was really broken in half. And, and the bishops were getting so serious. It became so serious that the emperor of the, Ro- the Roman Empire called together a council called the Nicene Council. And all the bishops came together. Well, Arius shows up, because he's going to defend his, right? This is a fun story. Just keep following me, because it ties in. Everybody says she's going somewhere. Okay, so Arius shows up, right? And all these bishops from all over the world. And another guy shows up. He was, his name was Nicholas of Myra. And uh, Nicholas of Myra was a bishop of a town called Myra, who eventually became Saint Nicholas, who always wore a red robe to commemorate the blood of Jesus, who always gave finance away in secret. In fact, one time he had gone to a house where the the father did not have a dowry for his daughter and he threw a bag of money into the house and it landed in her stocking that she had washed and had at the end of her bed. So Nicholas of Myra shows up at the council of Nicaea where there was division and tension and and anger and hatred in the body of Christ. And the body of Christ was about ready to be rent into two. And guess what Nicholas does? He walks up to Arius. This is your beloved Santa Claus. He walks up to Arius, hauls off, and slaps him across the face. Yes, yes, it's true. Your Santa Claus, your Santa Claus cared so much about the unity of the body of Christ that he hauled off and slapped him right upside the head. And that started the Council of Nicaea. Pretty funny. But, so, you know, I just want you to know that Santa, the cute little red guy passing out gifts, loved the unity of the body of Christ. And it was absolutely important to him. Unity in the body of Christ. So here we are, 2015, we've just wrapped up four weeks of talking about the unity of the body of Christ. And we will fight for it to the end of our days. That the enemy would not tear apart the body of Christ, but that we would stand united Stand united on the cross. Stand united on the blood of Jesus and who he is and what he does. Amen? We are not just a, you know, we're in this terrible time that nobody has ever seen. No. Disunity is something that has tried to plague and tear apart the body of Christ for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years. So we continue in that fight. Amen? And we pledge ourselves for that. And we join Santa in the fight for unity. Everybody say, hallelujah. Hallelujah. And that was not the sermon. But I thought you'd kind of like it because it is a story about Santa, right? And it kind of ties everything all together. So next time you see Santa, just imagine him slapping that man across the face. Just like, you know, that's something we all would probably love to do to, you know, certain people at church. You know, like walk in and see that person that you know been talking about you behind your back. Just going, yeah, probably not. Okay, so let's not do that so much, but um, love on them. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so 2015, this is my last sermon. This is our last ability to speak into you. It's been quite a year. Uh, it's been amazing for some of you. It's been a bang-up year. For other, uh, others of us at different times, we've taken hits. How many of you had a bang-up moment in 2015, like good? Good moments in 2015. Amen. How many of you guys had said, yeah, some difficult ones? 2015. Yeah, it dishes out both, huh? It absolutely does. Well, I was looking at CNN and uh, looking at their their news report and their top stories, their year in review for 2015. So are you ready for the year in review, CNN 2015? Here we go. January, top headline French satirical magazine shootout, 12 dead. February, marijuana is legalized in Alaska, D.C., and many other cities across the nation. April, Bruce Jenner declares he's a woman. May, Waco, Texas, shooting, nine killed. Are y'all happy now? Are you getting happier? Okay. Uh, June, Charleston, North Carolina, Emmanuel Episcopal Church, shooting, nine dead. Greece begins its financial collapse. July, Chattanooga, Tennessee, military recruitment shooting, five killed. Louisiana movie shooting, two dead, 11 wounded. October, October, Roseburg, Oregon Community College shooting, nine dead. I found a Washington Post um, article that said that as of October one of two thousand and fifteen, we had experienced two hundred and seventy four days of two thousand and fifteen, and we'd also experienced two hundred and ninety four mass shootings. A mass shooting is considered four or more dead. More than one a day. Says where we sit. November, Paris. ISIS shooting 130 dead. December, they didn't have that on at the time, but I'm sure that the headline would be all of the the tornadoes that have ripped through the South and however many dead there. So I said, wait a minute. If that's the main headlines, there's got to be some good news out there somewhere, right? So I find that CNN also has like a good news site. Their good news site. So you want to hear their good news site? Okay, number one, their number one good news is that we have cheap oil right now. Cheap oil! Apparently, the Myanmar elections went well. That's number two. Number three, there's a big climate deal signed by the UN. Are you all happy about that? Absolutely. Uh, Number four was the passage of same-sex marriage. Number five was the increase in mobile phone usage. That was the fifth best thing that happened in 2015. Increase of mobile phone usage. And you're going to just love number six. This was the sixth best news from CNN. There was a new Star Wars movie out. And they hyped that one big. Like they were going to save the Star Wars. You know, the world is going to be saved because of Star Wars. Amen? So those are the good news stories. But apparently the overarching headlines of this year has not been good, if you were to take them all together. It's difficult, very difficult to find positive headlines. We are living in trying, troubling, trying, tiring, whatever else days, right? But I'm here to tell you that it's not new. Troubling days have always been wherever humanity lives. This is not a time to look down. This is not a time to retire. It's not a time to check out. It's not a time to give up, give in, or give away. Because it's not the general mass overarching movement of society that is writing history or that writes history. When you read anything in history, anything historical, you see the masses are in one spot. There's always one person that rises up. And that is the person that history speaks of in any given time. God right now, the general mass direction of society is heading in one direction, and God is looking for someone with whom he can write a different story with. He's looking for someone that he can write his story with and who would be willing to live it, sing it, yell it, scream it, and make it happen. And that person who's willing to live his story will write history. True headlines are written by individuals. And I would venture to say that everything... That the people sitting in this room, because you have done great things this year. But I would venture to say they never made a headline. They probably didn't make Facebook. But we are, every single day, faced with the option of making history or flowing, going with the flow. And I want to encourage you today. I want to so encourage you today that God has a byline, a history, and a headline for you to write over the next year. And I want you to find that headline. And I want you to live it, scream it, sing it, yell it, and stand for it. And watch it come pass. 2015. New Horizons story, we fed hundreds and hundreds weekly through our food bank. New Horizons story, 2015, we saw the salvations of literally hundreds of people through the eternity play. That did not make headlines. But I'll tell you what, it changed lives. New Horizon, 2015 story, we built a birthing clinic in Uganda where there absolutely was nothing there. And those people are going to be reached not only through the maternity clinic, but there's going to be immunization clinics. There's going to be a uh, training center there. You have no idea what you're giving. You're just, you know, I think I'll give a little bit. Sacrificial giving has done. You have made a difference. 2015 story. Come on, people. Absolutely. Through tough and economic times this year, you have, our giving has been strong. We stand here, the lights are on, the building is open, and we are worshiping God every time we walk through here. That is a miracle. You people are faithful. Small groups spreading out all across this whole region. Amazing. See, the story is really different once you get away from the massive uh, you know, screaming of this headline thing and find out what people are actually really doing because you guys are amazing. And I want to encourage today even more amazingness. No matter what 2015 has dished you, 2016 is coming. And Dwayne and I are set to lead you strongly into 2016. We're going to push you. We're going to yell at you. We're going to challenge you. We're going to stretch you. We're going to shove you. We're going to do kick you in the rear to do whatever it takes for you to rise up and to be. To shake off every bondage and every hindrance that has held you back. Every mental thought that has tried to encapsulate you and torn you down. And maybe it's one. Maybe you have sputtered and, and kind of, you know, what's the word? Um, sputtered. I like that word, sputtered. You've sputtered your way through 2015. But I would say to you right now, we're going to scream and yell until you turn that thing around and you become a just powerful machine. And I want to also tell you that God stands at the end of 2016. How many of you know that God always comes to us from our future? God always comes from where he intended us to be. He stands there always looking at us, drawing us constantly there, constantly there. The straightest line from where you are to where God is and his dreams for you is a straight line, but sometimes we make it a crooked line. Somebody say amen. I do. So I find myself over here. He's still calling me from here. I can make that a straight line right back up to him. And if I have anything, if Dwayne and I have anything to do with it, every single one of us will meet him at the end of 2016, right where he wants us to be. We will not be found anywhere else along the way. How many of you are with me? Amen. Amen. January is going to be strategic. This Daniel fast is strategic. I just want to encourage every single one of you. You might not have been even thinking about it over the last week because we've been so busy, but this week I want you to think about it. I want you to think about how desperately you want to hear from him. I want you to think about how desperately you would rather have his will in your life than anything else in the world. I want you to think. I want you to think. I want you to think. Because people, this world needs us to stand up. This world needs a body of Christ that knows who they serve. Who knows what they have for us. Who knows what he's saying to us. Who who is a layman. Down, all in group of people. I think that's why I love this book so much because it's going to challenge you. It's going to challenge you to lay everything down for Him. Today, I believe that God has a word for us as we stand here. I want you to open your Bibles up to 1 Chronicles. If you have a Bible, anybody just like bring a Bible to church? Let me see your Bibles. Okay, how many of you guys have your phone? Yeah, look at that. Phones, iPads, whatever. Open it up. I want you to see something in Chronicles. Chronicles is an interesting book. It starts out rather slow. Let's just put it that way. So turn over to Chronicles 1-1, and I want you to see something through this book. You're going to see. We're just going to kind of page through it. I'm not worried too much about the screens at this point. We'll pick it up at one point. But I want you to see something. That Chronicles for the first nine chapters is a list of people's names. Look at that! Just kind of start paging through Chronicles one, Chronicles two, nine chapters of dead people, of with really strange names. Things that re- I really hope these names never, you know, like come back into. Uh, uh, you know, So Adam, Seth, Enosh, Kenan, P- Mahalalal, Jared, Enoch. There's, You know what? We had an Enoch born yesterday. Chanel and Brad had their baby, Enoch. So that name. Methuselah, don't ever do that. Lamech, Noah, Hamsham, Japheth, Japheth, Gomer, Magog, Madai. I'm not going to read all of them, but I want you to see that for nine entire chapters... There is a list and a procession of human beings. Names. We don't know what their their lives were like. We don't know about the good and the bad. We don't know about their struggle. We don't know if they won in life or lost in life. We don't know any of that. We don't know what their biggest challenge was. We don't know what their biggest victory was. We don't know what what the political uh, situation was with every single one of them. They were people, though, with feelings and hearts and lives and passions just like you and I. People. There's one person... All of the nine chapters that God pauses and gives two verses to give us some insight on. And I want us to look at that person. I want you to turn to Chronicles 4 verse 9. Because I want you to see that you are a part of the human race. And you might feel like you're one in a billion. How important are you? How serious is God about you? You are just another name, another listing. You could be one of these hundreds of names that are in First Chronicles. But God took the moment, took a moment, and he pulled one person out. And he gave us two verses of understanding on this person. And I want you to see how much God loves the individual. How many of you have ever heard of the guy named Jabez? How many of you read that little book, The Prayer of Jabez? Amazing book. Uh, Chapter 4, verse 9, Jabez was was more honorable than his brothers, and his mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. The word Jabez means pain, sorrow, toil. This is what he came forth in. This is what his world was like. And he had the great and distinct honor that every time he would come up to someone and introduce himself, he would say, yes, my name is pain. I am problems. I am toil. I am sorrow. Because that's what that word meant. It wasn't a name. It was was a description of him. Hello, my name is pain. It's the lineage that was given to him. It was the moment in which he was born. It was the situation. It was, it was how he came forth. And I would venture to say that many of us, not all of us, but many of us sitting here today, came forth in a situation of pain, a certain amount of pain, because we live in a broken world. Jabez's lineage, his heritage, was pain. His name, his identity was pain. You might be called Mary or Judith or Sister Susie or I don't care, but maybe inside of you, your identity screams out, I am a broken person, people. So this is Jabez. But this verse says here that he was more honorable than his brothers. His brothers were born in the same situation. His brothers were born in the same era. His brothers were born also in pain and sorrow and toil. Difficult times. But it says here that Jabez was different from them because he was more honorable. He was more honorable. Everybody say honorable. That's the thing that set him apart. The word honorable there means, it means weighty. His character had weight to it. It's the same word that is used for glory when it talks about God. His character, he developed, he made choices on how he was going to react to the pain and the sorrow and the labels that have been put on him and the situation and the heritage that was given him. He never asked for that heritage. It was given to him by mere birth. But his character was honorable. Honorable more honorable than his brothers. More honorable than his brothers. He stood out. His character, his integrity was more honorable than his brothers. His spiritual walk was more honorable. It is said by some of the the ancillary writers about this man that he was actually, he became a priest. He became a very high-ranking spiritual leader of his time. He was more honorable. He was more honorable character spiritual. He was a leader. He did not let his heritage stop him and define him. We have a society right now trying to define us. I would say to you people of God, rise up and be more honorable than those around you become more spiritually strong, become more integrious. don't lie, don't steal, don't cheat, don't do the normal things, I tell my kids all the time, you are not normal, don't you dare act normal, you, you are not normal, you are so not normal, it is normal for kids to go over to wazoo and drink, and you are not normal. It is normal for high school students to blah, 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 blah. But you're not normal. Don't you dare be normal. If you be normal, come slap your like. Oh, St. Nicholas. Oh, I'm good at that, too. Don't be afraid of me, though. Seriously, I'm nice. Hello. Where were we? Jabez, the man of pain, more honorable than his brothers, his mother named him Jabez, saying, I gave birth to him in pain. uh, Verse 10, Jabez, Jabez cried out to God, the God of Israel. He cried out to the God of Israel. Sometimes, sometimes we are made to feel that if we approach God and ask him for big things, if we approach God, that we're being somehow presumptuous. That somehow God has placed us in our spot and we're just supposed to get along to get along. That how could we come to God and ask for anything else than what is given to us? Because we deserve it. This is not what this mighty man did. That's not what this honorable man did. He cried out to God. And I want to encourage every soul in New Horizon. We are going to be crier-outers for the next three weeks, four weeks. Because I'm telling you what, I am not satisfied with what I've got right now. I want to break out of my cycle of sin. I want to break out this society from the cycle of, of terror and tyranny and the shootings and the, the violence that we find ourselves in. I want something better. And it is so rampant. There's only one thing that can change, and it's the power of God. Because humanity cannot stop it. We have tried. Oh, be nice. Will you please be nice? Oh, be nice. It ain't gonna work. We need heart-renting change. We need a power of God that comes down and slays every single one of us. We need something that makes even the societal leaders stand up and go, you're right going to. I am going to cry out to God. I beg of you to join me. When the body of Christ unifies and we all cry out to God, I think we're going to find the very thing that we're so desperate for. Jabez cried out to God. The God of Israel. Oh! Can you just hear him say that first word of his prayer? Oh! It is not a nice oh. Oh? It is a oh God. I challenge the Church of America to find the oh God. Find the place where passion will begin to rise up in you. Find the, I'm not saying you can't go about life, but I'm saying that always in the back of your heart, there's something more to life than all of your good stuff. But in the back of your mind, there is an, oh God, Jesus, come help us. The man who ran Salvation Army, Booth, was his name. He was a man of tears. He sent out many, many, many of his converts, and they became great missionaries all over the world. And one of them, one of them wrote back to William Booth, and he said, I can't break through. I can't do it. Society's too hard right now. I can't get through to them. The power of God seems to be very useless in this town. William Booth wrote back. He said, Have you tried tears? Have you tried to weep? Have you been moved to such a place for your people and for your society? that you are moved to tears. People, are you willing to spend yourself? Are you willing to pause? Are you willing to understand the pain and the suffering of our society, of our city here in Fife, of all of the homeless here in Fife, of the drug activity in Fife, of the broken families of Fife? Are you willing to be moved with compassion for a moment every day? That maybe we can break this church out of its four walls and into the reason and the purpose that we're this lampstand has been set here for. You know what it's going to take? You're going to have to rise up out of your own troubles. Because every person here, I look in your face and I know some of your troubles. I know them. And they're heart-wrenching troubles, some of you. But it's going to have to, you're going to have to. And this is part of the sacrificial life that we're called to, where we know our own pain, but we're willing to set it aside and intercede for the others of the area and to begin to weep and cry for them instead of weeping and crying for ourselves. I'm done weeping and crying for me. It is the most saddest, loneliest, most evil, awful place that I have lived in, weeping for me. I've done plenty of it, but I'm finished. I gotta be done, I gotta be done, I gotta be done, because when I'm weeping for me, I can't weep for you. I beg you, people. Let's get back to his prayer, because I have a lot to do Oof, are y'all good? Just look at your neighbor and say, she'll be done soon. I've done my share of spitting so far. Oof, okay. Oh, that you would bless me. Oh, that you would bless me. What a selfish prayer. That is so not right. Oh, that you would bless me. Can I tell you something? You can't be a blessing until you're blessed. Your poverty gives God no glory. Your poverty cannot build a, milita- a military, a maternity clinic. Your poverty is what God has come to deliver you from. Why? God says to, to Abraham, I will bless you so you can just be really cool. What did he say? I will bless you so that you will be a blessing. Get your hand in your wallet and start throwing it out. Start giving it away. Start being a blessing. If you have a buck, give away 50 cent. If you have $50, give away $10. I challenge you because it will change you. You will lose your selfishness. Bless me. Bless me, bless me, bless me, bless me. Does that sound selfish? No. God, give me more that I might give more. And I will because I've been faithful with the 10 bucks you gave me. Oh, that you would bless me and enlarge my territory, enlarge my my territory. Enlarge my territory. Enlarge my territory. What is my territory? My territory is my influence. My territory are those that listen to me. My territory is the area that I walk out in. And my territory is my boundaries. My my territory has boundaries on it that God has placed. I did an incredible I could preach an entire sermon on the boundary lines of God. It's incredible, but I can't. I only have seven minutes left. But his prayer was to enlarge his territory. This is not a time to dismantle and pull in. This is not a time to scale back and to settle in. This is a time to look out the windows and go, that's mine over there. There's a time to look to the left and to the right and say, that's mine too. Because everywhere my foot walks is his. Enlarge my territory. Let your hand be with me. I never want to be away from you. He did not want his hand, the hand of God, to ever, ever, ever be taken off of him. He wanted the hand of God on him all the time. How many of you guys would agree? Put your hand on me, oh Father God. May I walk with your anointing at every minute of every day, and he will take you up on it. He will. So you better be ready. But watch this. Let your hand be with me and keep me from harm so that I will be free from pain. What was his name? Pain. What was his heritage? Pain. What was given to him through his birthright? Pain. His final part of his prayer is be with me, cover me, take care of me, and rid me of my physical heritage. Break me out of everything that was given to me through my birthright and give me you and only you. And I love the next line. And God granted his request. Woo! Hallelujah. How is God ever going to write that at the end of your big two verses in the Bible if you don't cry out with an O God? How are you ever going to have your two verses written in the word of God and at the end has this really cool little line that says, and God granted his request when you haven't even made a fervent request yet. I want to be one that it is written. My prayer, if you put my prayer there, it's going to be 10 chapters long. It's going to be 10 chapters long. And, I'm, and at the very end, it's going to say, and God granted her requests. Amen? Okay. Are you encouraged? Are you set? Are you ready to make a change for 2016? Are you ready to become an intercessor? All I'm doing right now is calling you to intercession calling you to be moved, not only for your own personal life, though God will change your personal life, but he wants to change your entire territory. I'm going to read to you Isaiah 54, and this is God's word to you. Isaiah 54, Isaiah, the whole book of Isaiah is a prophetic cry of God concerning Israel. And in chapter 54, for chapters 1 through 53, it's a very sad and sorry story. Band, come on up. Very sad and sorry story about the destruction of Israel. But in chapter 54, things change. And the story becomes more about the glory of what God wants to restore to Israel than how he's going to have to destroy Israel for their sin. And it is believed by many, many scholars that this is where we stand today. Chapters 54 and on, and I would really, really encourage you this week, not only are you going to read All In and your Daniel Fast book, I want you to read Isaiah 54 on. You're only going to get excited. But chapter 54, I want you to stand because this is God speaking over you. This is God speaking over you. I want you to put down all your papers, all your pencils, all your phones. I Or unless you have your Bible and you want to read along with me. But this is God declaring over you what he wants for 2016. This is God's word for you. And I want you to shut your eyes if you have to. But stay focused on the words. Or stay focused on me. I don't know. I don't want a single one of these words to fall. But I want them to Isaiah 54, sing, O barren woman, you who never bore a child, burst into song and shout for joy for you who were never in labor, for you who are never in labor, because more are the children of the desolate woman than of her who has a husband. For you see, I'm going to take a break here. Look at me right now. For you see, in Israel, there was a law that said that if you married a woman and she did not bear children, you could put her aside. And at that point, she had no hope of anything in life. She did not have a husband. She did not have children. And no one would marry her. She was a barren and desolate woman. You may feel that you have been set aside, that you have been put aside. But God says, more will be your children more will be your children. Chapter two, people have got a rise and enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords and strengthen your stakes for you will spread out to the right and to the left and your descendants will just dispossess nations and settle you will not be humiliated. You will forget the shame of your youth and remember no longer the reproach of your widowhood. For your maker is your husband and the almighty God is his name. The Holy One of Israel is your redeemer and he is called the God of all the earth. The Lord will call you back as if you were a wife deserted and distressed and spirit, a wife who married young only to be rejected. The, the God says to you, for a brief moment I abandoned you, but and I will bring you back. In a surge of anger, I had to hide my face from you for a moment, but with everlasting kindness, I will have compassion upon you, says the Lord, your Redeemer. To me, this is like the days of Noah when I swore to the waters of, that the waters of Noah would never again cover the earth. Now I have sworn not to be angry with you, never to rebuke you again. Though the mountains be shaken and the hills be Does attack you, doing attacks you will See, it is I who created the blacksmith, who fans the coals into fame and forges a weapon fit for its works. It is I who have created the destroyer to work havoc. No so, weapon forged against. make us greater and bigger and more so that we would have greater and bigger and more uh, to bless others in Jesus name no more normal no more the same no more no more of